Do you mind if I slap you in the face? Hey, dudes. Welcome to episode 947 of this creative writing podcast. I think it might be off by a few hundred, like maybe it's only episode 31. Welcome, nonetheless. On this episode, we got a few things we're going to chat about. All right. Welcome to episode 31 of Creative Writing Podcast. Uh, that's creative writing, not creative writing. Writing? Yeah, how do, how do I say that? How do I differentiate that? Well, there's something I'd like to differentiate, and that is the Stock versus Squares podcast. I know you're not the Stock versus Squares podcast, guys. Uh, I heard him talking about it on the show the other day, and sometimes things come out of my mouth the totally wrong way. Most things, if you listen to the show. and I think I need to apologize to the crew over there for calling them stock versus squares all the time. I know it's stock is for squares, but what you have to understand is that my mouth is slightly dyslexic, and uh, so is my brain. And what happens is stock is for squares kind of turns around to, into stock versus squares. You know what I mean? Or stock four is squares, and my brain changes four is to verses, you know, I don't know. So, sorry, dudes. <laughs> I just realized that the other day when I was listening to your show. So, my bad. I do always just say stock versus squares. It's just so easy. for It rolls off my tongue better. So, I'm going to try and correct that. I'm going to try and not say things without thinking about them first. I write notes for the show, and, you know, last week I think I might have said that Ian Hutchinson wrote the RC213V. And that is not correct either. It was Bruce Ancy that wrote the RC213VS. If you want to hear all about that, please go to the Two Enthusiasts podcast. They did a great show on the Isle of Man. And they talk about the bike and they talk about all the great stuff. <clears throat> I also really didn't give Ian Hutchinson props for winning the overall, which is like super bike, super sport, super stock, senior TT, uh, super califragilistic. Sure, I, I can't even think of the other ones, but I think he won. Uh, seven, six or seven overall, and Dunlop. Oh no, I think he raced in six or seven, and Dunlop only raced in three. And so, you know, he won the overall, even though Dunlop took the win in the senior TT, which is like the prestigious one. So, at any rate, yeah, sorry to those guys, and uh, sorry to for just misinformation in general. I am also going to apologize to you right now because my mouth is in all sorts of disarray. Uh, whenever I eat too much bread or something, I don't know if it's bread or if it's a certain type of grain that I eat, uh, my mouth tends to go haywire. And that's I ate a huge burger the other day. I've been eating tacos. You know, flour tortillas don't normally do stuff, but... You know, I've been noticing that the inside of my mouth is feeling sort of tore up, and I realize I've been chowing down on a lot of bread lately. So, apologies, apologies. All right, let's start talking about real stuff like motorcycles and this and that, not just bread. So, a couple things happened last weekend that I didn't get to report on due to cutting the episode a little bit short. One of them was the Pikes Peak International Race Week kind of started off. Technically, it started started on uh, June 18th at the airstrip attack 
that happened at the Colorado Springs Airport, and that was Saturday and Sunday. And basically what that was is like the world's hottest supercars and whatever else may or may not be running at Pikes Peak. Uh, they get they get together, and if you've ever seen on Top Gear where the cars drag race down the airstrip, you know, that's basically what they're doing there. And so you can see footage from last year's probably, I don't know if there's any footage from this past weekend, but I mean, that would be pretty cool. I don't think they run the bikes there, but you basically get to do like a standing, you know, I think it's a mile, maybe like a standing mile and see how fast you can go. So yeah, that would be kind of cool. That would have been pretty cool to see. And then this week has been all tech inspection and lots of practice and stuff like that for the competitors and the actual racing is going to begin this weekend. So Saturday is a setup day and Sunday is the actual race eight o'clock AM. The green flag drops. So that's kind of cool. Something else that happened last weekend was Dirtquake USA. And if you're not familiar with Dirtquake USA, you really need to check out you know, CC motorcycles and sideburn mag. And God, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I've totally forgot. I haven't been on sideburn mag in about two months. I don't know where my head's been, but I usually go on there and check out all the crazy stuff they got going on. Check out their blog. You know, they have a pretty cool magazine. It all pretty much revolves around flat tracking, you know, turn left, go fast. And they do a lot of cool races and stuff over in the UK. They're a UK-based uh, publication and a UK-based organization. And the fact that they, they do this cool thing called Dirtquake where shit like Guy Martin's racing his chopper around, you know, a dirt track. Basically, they brought that, they bring it to the United States. This year was only the second annual. I mean, it's a fairly new event. It takes place up in Washington. So you can imagine like every hipster north of Portland going up there and a lot of the guys from around here are going up there and the hooligan class has just been growing and growing as i said last episode so imagine you know just an event nothing but the hooligan class that's that's dirt quake dirt quake is like a circus slash party uh at a dirt track so yeah dirt quake's pretty awesome looking and one of these years i'll try to make it up there because it just looks like too much fun to miss but yeah that went off this weekend and lots of photos running coming up this uh, week and everything just rolling in and just looks like it was a total blast sort of like the same thing as motos and moab you know that looked like it was pretty fun too i guess so if you have a you know wax cotton jacket and no i'm just kidding i'm not gonna go into the hipster thing but at any rate it did all those events looked like a hell of a lot of fun this weekend coming up it's gonna be born free which i kind of call the sturgis of socal or the west coast because basically it's pretty harley and chopper oriented although you do see like a lot of you know all bikes out there a lot of stuff I guess at Sturgis, you see that sort of stuff too, though. But uh, a lot of the builders nowadays are kind of going toward Harleys because, you know, I think I mentioned, if it wasn't last episode, it was an episode before where when I think was mentioned the Yamaha Scrambler that's coming out is that when the counterculture sees what's cool or, you know, decides what's cool, they're going to go in that direction. And it usually takes the corporate landscape and advertisers and marketers and the news and everyone else to kind of, you know, see what's happening and realize what the, what the fad is. And then, you know, by the time that 
corporate culture realizes it, they're moving on to a new thing. By the time you make something hip, you know, I'm, I'm sure I thought every douchebag in an Ed Hardy shirt was that a douchebag, but I'm sure at one time Ed Hardy was cool. And my friend used to wear Ruka shirts all the time, and I, he told me what it meant, and it was sounded pretty cool. But now every dickhead I see has a Ruka shirt. Same with Deus. You know, Deus, you could, I don't know. I won't get into to repping a brand and all that stuff. I think, you know, that's a whole nother topic. But at the same time, by the time that you start marketing something that's cool, let me just tell you that the, the counterculture will decide that, that it's not counter anymore, right? So basically what's happening is that everybody's bagging on Harleys and how shitty old Harleys are and whatnot. And guess what? Guess who latches on to what everybody else hates? That's right, the counterculture. And so I think what you'll find, this is Born Free 8. And at the first one, I don't think there was that much. It wasn't too chopper-centric. I think Show Class Mag might be the ones that uh, started it. So it was always a little bit old school-centric. But it's like getting more and more chopper, or not chopper-centric, Harley-centric, just because... Every hipster nowadays is, you know, the the scramblers and cafe racers are, right? I would say that they're cresting right now, and the Harleys are coming online, and people, I've already heard people talk about how expensive Harley parts are getting, because a lot of people are building those things up now, and I, I mentioned, uh, I think two or three episodes ago, somebody posted on their Instagram that, what do you ride and the reply was, oh, a Harley like everyone else, you know, so I don't know. These, a lot of people doing shit with Harleys now. So I expect to see a bajillion Harleys at Born Free with a few other crazy things thrown in. It's not unlike a diesel motorcycle and, uh, you know, bikes with gigantic eight foot tall sissy bars and six foot tall exhaust pipes. So it's going to be pretty fun. I'm going to go down there and check that out. If you're in the area at the Independent downtown on Sunday, they're going to be screening Faster, which is now, you know, a piece of motorcycle racing history. It's no longer pertinent or relevant. So that's going on. If you want to go down there and check that out, that's cool. Also, we talked about it last episode. If you are sitting around this weekend, go to Fans Choice TV. Well, fanschoice.tv, I guess, is what it is, to watch the Lima Half Mile, and you will see all the great stuff that's coming out of the flat track industry. This is right around the halfway point, I'm guessing, of the season, and so we're going to see AFT Promotions make their debut. We're going to also see Jared and Nicole Meese promoting Lima, so this is going to be kind of cool. Check that out. Also, man, I was watching the Oklahoma City Mile, and uh, I was a little bit drizzunk, and I was trying to, you know, it was also the day before Father's Day, so I was like, woohoo, man, let's party, I ain't got shit to do tomorrow, and what happened was I passed out right before Halbert crashed, and did not see that mad, you know, the GNC1 class, didn't see the crazy dash to the end i guess there and of course i thought brian smith would have it wrapped up because he's been the mile man all year long and uh, i guess Mies took it or was it baker was it baker that took it i think baker won so i don't know because i just woke up to a blank fuzzy screen a live feed that was dead and 
crying in my own beer, what was left of it. <laughs> so, boo. Yeah, stay awake if you're going to watch that. All right. Well, that's enough about telling you what you should be doing. You do your own thing this weekend. Just make sure it's motor related and have some fun. All right. Well, it's time for something I'm going to call It's All Gone Bobby Fong. That's a little bit of Cockney rhyming for you. There's an expression, It's All Gone Pete Tong, which uh, is Cockney rhyming for It's All Gone Wrong. So in this part of the show, I'd like to talk about things that I think the state of California is doing right and what the state of California is doing wrong. Based on some things I've seen around the globe lately and some things that are happening right now as we are recording, I'm really excited to discuss the positives and negatives of living in California. My wife and I were talking the other day about possibly switching out of California because we're basically paying for a sunshine tax and it's expensive as all hell to live here and raise a family reasonably compared to most other places in the country. So that's what brings me to this segment. All right, jumping right in here. AB 51 is moving forward in the California legislature which means that lane splitting soon will be codified. Lane splitting will have a life of its own. It won't just be guidelines anymore. That's basically what happens when you butt heads with the Department of Transportation and I guess the Department of Motor Vehicles. You know, they can't decide on some stuff. The CHP gets involved and makes some guidelines and it's kind of not enforceable. You know what I mean? So it's really nice to see this getting basically laid down as the law. And it brings me to something that I witnessed this past weekend. I saw a trike lane splitting. And that's one thing. Hell, you, in some parts of the freeway, you could lane split in a Fiat 500. Not, if not a new one, an old one for sure. And, you know, basically the, the great thing about California is that they're bringing this, finally, you know, getting this thing set down in stone. What it's going to do is it's going to say, you know, two-wheeled vehicles, because according to the motor code, the uh, a motorcycle is, a, I believe, only a two-wheeled vehicle. So two-wheeled vehicles will be able to split lanes with both both wheels operating on the ground, wheels and tires, blah, blah. So basically what the trike did is going to be illegal. And it also makes you wonder, you know, what people market as motorcycles versus what the DMV considers a motorcycle. And, you know, when this new law goes into effect, basically, hopefully I'm hoping the bill passes. It hasn't like 100% passed yet, but it's moving forward. So when this all goes down, basically that guy won't be able to do that anymore. And right now I think it's just a guideline. You know, when it's when it's in this like legal limbo right now, I don't, I'm not 100% sure what a cop would have done in that case. Probably giving him a ticket. But to be honest, the freewheeler and the... The, I forget what it's called, the FLHTCUTHG, whatever, the Triglide, I guess is what it's called. That thing is not much bigger because he was with a group of other bikers. It was not much bigger than those baggers. So, you know, but now it's not going to be splitting hairs anymore. It's going to be black and white. So California, yay for that. Good on you for doing, you know, getting some lane splitting laws laid down because we can now say that what that trike was doing is not legal. So good and bad, you know, bad if you're the guy on the trike trying to get through traffic and there's enough room, you just you won't be able to do it. 
here's an issue. Here's an example, rather, of why lane splitting works and what it's all about. So let's go back in time to 2011. The place is France. You just ordered your beret and a gigantic loaf of bread. You're on your way home to eat it with some cheese and some wine, maybe some port, maybe some champagne, depending on where you live. So what's different on this day? Well, on this day, there's a protest and you can't get home because you're in your car, not on your motorcycle. What happened, despite the pouring rain, um, basically France was in protest. 100,000 bikers locked up the whole country. And what they did was from north to south and east west all over the all over the country they went to different cities they didn't lane filter and basically i i don't speak french so i'm going to try and pronounce the guy's name but the interior the french interior minister claude guillon had been trying to push these safety measures and i'm going to put that in air quotes basically the bikers said that they were ridiculous because the things he wanted them to do was not filter he wanted them to proposed that they wear high-vis vests, and it didn't say anything about safety gear. Like, if this is really for safety, you're having us just wear these high-vis vests, nothing else underneath. So you're, it's not really about safety, is it? It's about us buying these from the government and getting penalized if we don't wear them, right? You're going to turn us into like a cash crop, basically, a little cash cow. So th- that and bigger number plates. So really nothing to do with safety in general. So what they did is they didn't they didn't filter. They didn't lane split. They locked up the whole country. They c- shut it down even though it was pouring rain. 100,000 people came out to protest. And they basically made themselves heard. A lot of people rode around that day in those new high-vis vests and nothing else. So that'll teach them to, you know, if it's really for safety, then you better push for better gear, not for a high-vis vest. And, you know, not saying that motorists don't see high-vis better. I'm not saying this guy had some intention, you know, I don't know. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So I'm not saying his intentions weren't there, but I'm. they were just sick of being treated like cars, you know? motorcycle safety is a much different thing than car safety and high vis, you know, cars crash into each other. You can, how can you miss a fucking car? Right? So it's not always about being visible. It's just about being aware. And if you're really pushing for safety, bigger number plates, come on, that just makes people have to re-register bikes. And what you're really trying to do is get ticket money, you know? So basically they, they locked up the whole country and this group was called the FF. MC, which was the Federation Francois de Motard and Colère, which means the French Federation of Angry Bikers. I totally butchered that. I'm super sorry. But so there you go. The French Federation of Angry Bikers. And some towns only took like 500 bikes to lock it up. You know, other towns took a thousand. So it wasn't 100,000 bikers converging on the capital in protest. It literally was the whole country not filtering and all these places with traffic of course a town you're not going to see much traffic in rural areas so you get to a town boom locked up so they had it on lockdown and it wasn't just in the country of france it was also in some french um what's the word i'm looking for like colonial areas uh some of the stuff in the caribbean i forget where else oh i think reunion island was one of the places so yeah basically the guy 
you know, they accomplished their mission and it, they proved that you need to allow bikes to filter at least lane split, you know, during traffic jams or during traffic lights. Or basically, you're just asking for traffic to lock up. You know what I mean? There's there's enough motorcycles to make a difference out there, and that's what's important. The segueing in France again, still in the news today, is segueing into another topic: a CARB, which is the California Air Resources Board. Um, here's one thing about that. You know, I have to admit that living in LA now is pretty except for there's wildfires going on everywhere around us that's the main pollution in the air right now and the california air resources board is super tough it's that's why there's 49 state emission vehicles and then california emission vehicles you know and if you can't bring up you can't sell a vehicle here took royal enfield i want to say a little bit of legwork to get their bikes in here because they had to figure out emissions and they had to get canisters and all this and that granted you fall over once with the canister um soak it with your gas and it's done you know it's not gonna dry it's it's contained it's not gonna dry out so regardless of how effective they are they have to be equipped on the bike or you can't register it uh same thing with trying to register out of state bikes and things like that i'm gonna get into that in a minute but I do know that it can't be, you know, two strokes were illegal for quite a while. They've been making huge, huge uh, advances in two stroke technology. So two strokes are coming back. But uh, they, you can't, if a bike is a non California bike, you really can't register it here until it's got X amount of miles on it, which I believe may be 7,500. Or unless it's two years old. I mean, that kind of used to be the rule. They probably have changed it. That's you got to watch out too. That's another thing. They're always changing stuff, trying to make emissions more stringent. And that's another thing is that back in 2006, they were already setting, you know, things that had to be in place by 2010. 2010, they had stuff that was, you know, going to be in place by now. So every that's the thing. They're forward looking. So it's going to be harder and harder to get things in, you know in the future I'm assuming that we're all just going to be driving electric bikes around here which would be fine with me but so the California Air Resources Board uh, ironically named CARB which probably CARBs are going to be illegal you know on most bikes to meet emissions but basically it has made California a cleaner place and California is very populous New York is probably very populous and I'm sure they're both have suffered uh, pollution problems air pollution specifically problems due to emissions and stuff like that and when I first moved here uh, one of the professors at the community college was saying that in the 80s you couldn't even see across the campus and now you can see miles I can see downtown on a good day from my house so um, you know basically I'm not against like reducing emissions and stuff like that and making air cleaner and and whatnot because I can see just with the fort with the fires that are going on around us right now how bad it is you know it's really hazy you can't see it's hard to breathe I can imagine that's what what it was like in the 80s with car emissions basically I think we can all agree that emissions you know to some degree are bad we don't like them we like our clean air uh, but we don't need to get as drastic as Paris is getting now. And Paris, back in the news recently, for a ban on motorcycles older than 19... Well, anything built before 2000 for motorcycles and anything pre-1997 for cars. Now, I don't know, you know, I think this is just the city. 
mind you, and I'm not 100% sure if it's for residents of the city, if you're commuting from outside. Uh, you know, I didn't look at the very specifics of it, so this is one of those things that might just be like a bunch of hype, and I haven't done my due diligence in researching it yet, so uh, I don't know if it's just like the shock and alarm right now of hearing that sort of ban, outright ban. But what it does mean is if you live in the city and you have a vintage motorcycle... And trust me, there's a lot of vintage stuff happening around Paris. It's a really huge vintage scene. There, you won't be able to ride it in the city. And you won't be able to, you know, I guess you'll be able to display it. And if you're passing through Paris, you may be able to take, you know, certain roads or byways or whatnot. But yeah, you your custom shop in Paris now, fuck it, man. You know, it's uh, obsolete being obsoleted a lot of people are complaining that this is you know going to put a stranglehold on the poor and you know paris has the same troubles that we do france actually france as a country does where you have you know employment you have the youth coming up what are they going to be doing soon because you know oldies need to work but we want to have kids and then when the kids grow up what are they going to do and racism and terrorism you know they have all these problems you know we've seen they've been on the news just in the last year in france alone and it's basically like a parallel of any other country any other developed country we we hear it here all the time what you're doing affects the poor. You know what I mean? What you're doing is going to impact the poor. If you have to do this here in California, if your car doesn't pass smog, you cannot drive it. You can't register it. So what happens when you're a single mom, you know, and you got like this fucking piece of shit from the 80s that you've still been somehow passing smog with and this and that, you know? So that's their thing is that you do this. A lot of people rely on old crappy scooters, maybe old crappy cars. What if you have that old cool Citroen that you restored? You know what I mean? So, like I said, this I haven't researched this and done due diligence in like looking at the precise words of the law because I don't know if they... It, it sounded like it's an outright ban on the year with, with total disregard to, hey, I have this super classic Jag or I have a super classic Citroen or, you know, any any old cool Triumph, you know, car or motorcycle, you know, anything it just said these years, it's banning. So I don't know if that's 100% true, if there's like leniency for, you know, certain collector cars or obviously like vintage car shows and whatnot, because you got to admit, man, Paris, France is where it's at as far as style and culture and things like that. So this is going to have a really huge impact on people that solicit to the vintage motorcycle and car scene and people that make apparel accessories builders you know what i mean so if you want to build up a sweet 80s bike i mean think i'm not talking like 50s bikes and shit like that like you know going to 80s and 90s you know all these shit that's popping up on bike xf now even your cool harley you know your old panhead you won't be able to won't be able to drive it in paris or you know you have to throw it in the back of your new car, drive it out of the city, and then go on a ride or whatever. So I, I'm not 100% sure how it's all going to work. But that reminds me of the, the things about California that's good slash bad. And it goes right along with the filtering and the air pollution. Because technically, people always say motorcycles pollute less. And to be honest, I've seen somebody do some math on it. Uh, some, a motorcyclist, by the way, so not somebody that was trying to prove us wrong. A motorcyclist did the math and said, listen, 
we actually pollute more. You don't have a catalytic converter on a bike unless it's like a BMW. There are certain emissions that bikes do have to pass. You know, you have to have a charcoal canister, all this and that. But out of the tailpipe, motorcycles are pretty dirty little animals. So basically the reason that what makes them less pollutant, I guess, is the fact that they go quite much further than a car on a tank of gas. So for the amount of pollution that you're throwing out into the air, the distance that you're able to cover with that is greater than on the car. So if you do the math that way, the scales tip into the motorcycle doesn't pollute as much because you're getting more distance out of the same amount of pollutants. However, with cars, economy, you know, fuel economy coming up from, you know, a truck used to get... Fuck, I used to have a Dodge Cornette that had six or seven miles to the gallon. And uh, just an old beater hot rod thing that was like 85 feet long, 8 trillion pounds. So, you know, imagine all the gas and shit that thing was just pumping out into the into the atmosphere. Nowadays, you can have a car like that. You can have this super pumped up hot rod that's getting just about as good gas mileage as, you know, let's say like a cruiser harley cruiser with a little peanut tank on there that doesn't get you know that that greater range even sport bikes super sport bikes like ducatis and zx10rs and you know zx14rs and you know i'm guessing that the cbr 1000 you know i'm ashamed that i do write technical data for motorcycles and i don't pay attention to the specs that much because i write so many i can't you know it's worthless to me to remember all this specs when i just go in there and look at them you know so but right off the top of my head i'm thinking that you know bikes getting 45 miles to the gallon some cars are getting that freeway you know the hybrids and shit like that so it's not such an argument anymore that bikes don't pollute but when you think about lane splitting and traffic and congestion and pollution from just sitting there hey now that's another thing and that's why i don't know i'm with carb on the fact that, yeah, we don't like pollution. We like things to be cleaner. Um, but goddamn, you're making it hard for, you know, vehicles to get in. I guess that's what you want, you know. I guess that's what the state wants. They don't want dirty vehicles getting in that weren't hooked up with emission shit. But some of the coolest bikes, and if you're an enthusiast, it doesn't matter if you're a plane enthusiast, a car enthusiast, a boat enthusiast, they all have to pass some shitty ass emission stuff so that's the one crappy thing about california but i guess it's a double-edged sword because it's also a good thing so um as long as you're having fun on two wheels hell i would ride an e-bike around and still be happy you know what i mean it's just you know i guess as a responsible person i do want the environment to stay around for quite a long time and if i have to switch to e-bikes that's fine with me but uh, fucking banning cars outright oh that's what that's what i was gonna say is that when it all comes back to the the imbalance of you know basically you're you're giving these putting disadvantaged people that already you're disadvantaging them even further when you take away their means of um, transportation just because of some mission stuff but you know what i have to say paris this isn't anything new i think new delhi did this uh, India has a terrible, terrible uh, pollution problems. You know, not only from cars, just from burning trash and stuff on the streets and everything like that. I don't know if they've changed that. I mean, this is the last time I read about that was shit like ten years ago. But I know that they've had traffic problems as their, you know, economy was picking up for a while. There, they, you know, more people driving, riding scooters, and this and that. So, I also had some friends that lived in Mexico, 
And they said that when they, you know, they said it's funny because you, you're in a, you're in a car that, or I'm sorry, you're in a car, you're in a family that might only have, you know, mom, dad, and two kids, but you've got like eight or nine cars and it looks like Joe's hot car lot out front because you can only drive certain cars on certain days. And when you get you, when you register your vehicle, you, whatever your registration or maybe it's your VIN or your license plate or something like that ends in, they put a sticker on your car, you know, like a, you go drive Wednesday and Friday. You don't drive any other days. You know, this car can only drive that day. And what it does is it prevents the car from being on the road too much, which prevents, you know, mom and dad from each taking a separate car. Things that we take for granted here in the States a lot of times. You know, mom's off running errands, dad's at work. You know, who's going to pick up the kids? Well, there, you got like one car. You're fucked. You can only drive it two or three days of the week. So what they do is they go out and buy like eight or nine cars. And then, you know, shit, that car can only drive on Tuesdays, Thursdays. We'll take the car that can drive, you know, Wednesday, Friday to go here and there. But then dad needs to get to work, so he'll buy another, you know what I mean? So that's why they end up with so many cars. Does it really solve the pollution problem? I I really have no idea, but but apparently they need, you know, they've conquered some really bad pollution. They've outlawed some cars. I remember when air-cooled Volkswagens went illegal there as taxis, you know. So they've they've overcome some stuff. Rome actually is another major city in Europe that also bans vehicles on when, when conditions are right, I guess when weather and pollution is at its max. But, I mean, this is for Paris to do this to motorcycles, too. All these other places kind of include or exclude motorcycle from the ban. You know, they, they realize that, uh, you know, they move through the city quickly, blah, blah, blah. Whatever their reasons for, Paris is the first one to ban it, you know, including motorcycles. And they've made it even stricter than the restrictions on the cars. And another thing worth noting in the article, they said that in by 2020, motorcycles from before 2004 will be prohibited. So in the same way in California, when you're moving, you know, I was speaking about carb earlier. If you do have an old car, an old classic after a certain amount of years, your car is exempt from smog. You know, you can get that old classic and not have to smog it anymore. That's what's so great about having an old hot rod, especially an old Volkswagen, because they made uh, like a hundred bajillion of them and you can do whatever you want. You could drop a small block Chevy in it if you want to, and it doesn't have to pass smog anymore. So it doesn't matter what engine's in there and, you know, things don't have to match up. And it's so crazy and uh for paris to do this you know the opposite basically where you know like i was saying here the old the the later the years go on uh the cars like right now i think it's 74 and older are exempt in five more years it'll be 75 and older are exempt so it's cool we we unban cars and they're they're doing it exactly opposite of that so the the later it gets the you know the year is going to come up with you pretty soon you'll only be driving motorcycles around from shit like the 2010 you know what i mean so just like in the last uh, six years anyway so they're not the first city to ban cars and try and motor well cars really um to try and mitigate some of the pollution problem but they definitely are going pretty rough on motorcycles and it's just the city but here's what i'm afraid of i'm afraid that other cities will see that and react to it that's what i'm afraid of and it's totally you know 
unnecessary fear, I guess. You know, it's it's a stupid, it's unfounded. But, uh, you know, when you look at other places, like when you look at California and you hope that other states adopt lane splitting, it's the same sort of thing. Totally unfounded that they ever will. But, uh, you know, I hope that this doesn't, you know, come over here. So that's something that California does right that I see Paris doing wrong. Please don't ban motorcycles. Southern California is the hub of motorcycling. So we have all up and down the state, we have magnificent riding environments, magnificent riding weather almost all year round. And I I believe that's why a lot of cars and motorcycle companies have headquartered here for, you know, marketing and testing and they do a lot of production back east because it's cheap. But out here, it is literally, you know, photo shoot central. So that's something. Uh, you know, here's something I didn't, I don't really know about. And I'd like to hear from anybody out there about the DMV procedures in your state. I only know what I've experienced, which is it was hella hard to get my vehicle registered without, um, even with a bill of sale. I had a you know, I had to lie and plead and do all sorts of crazy things for them to plate my motorcycle, which is out of the system and old, old as hell. You know, all my motors, I, I actually looked up my last couple of VINs to make sure that they were not in the system anymore so that when I go in, I can just apply for, you know, my title Hopefully no or low bullshit factor, but I doubt that. That's not likely. So at any rate, yeah, if you haven't really experienced with the DMV, I've got basic experience, like I said, what's only happened to me, which is usually pretty hard. And um, so, yeah, that's one thing I'm not 100% sure about if California is better or gooder or worser than other places. Uh, Another thing California does not have is inspections, safety inspections, at least not to my knowledge. So I know a lot of people in other states have to do safety inspections. Stock versus Squares podcast did a show from their inspection. So, I mean, it didn't sound too hardcore, you know, just a minor inconvenience. But at any rate, we don't have that here. We don't have to make sure our brake lights work. And I mean, it's terrible with this many people careening around in gigantic death boxes that we should, but we don't. And we don't for motorcycles either, except for, um, I think when you salvage it, you know, do a salvage title, you might have to do that. Probably the same with the car. You need to go get an inspection done by basically a Ponch or John or anybody on the set of chips can probably do that for you. California Hybrid Patrol, of course. Just make sure, you know, all your shit functions right. Should You should pass that if you want to ride it on the street anyway, right? And uh, so that's something else I wanted to know about other states that I, I'm pretty sure California has got that right, where, you know, any, any inspection is going to be an initial one after a hard crash or if you're repurposing something like going from dirt and converting it to street. Um, in other states, I think you have to do regular safety inspections and light inspections and things like that. So I think that's one thing California's got right. That and they hand you stickers every time you go to the doctor. I believe that's they probably do that at the DMV and that'd be really cool. All right. Well, now into a segment that I had pre-recorded with Dr. K and uh, let's hear what we have to say. I forget even what we were talking about at this point. But did you like how I said stock versus squares again in there? Oh, my God. I said I was going to think about what I was saying. And obviously, I just my brain does not have that capacity. So now let's rock it back with Dr. K. Dr. K. 
Thanks, Doc. Take it away. And this week coming up, yes, yes, set your calendars for July 25th and 26th, Born Free 8. We'll have to see what tomorrow brings. Uh, That's tomorrow, so get your show and shine on. Hey, so on this week's show, uh, I wanted to talk about, hey, wasn't that uh, race from Oklahoma awesome, Dr. K? We talked about it on last week's show coming up, the Oklahoma Mile, or the Oklahoma City Race. What am I even talking about? It's, it was a mile, right? Oklahoma. <laughs> what a dick, dude. Let me start over. Oh, man. Dr. K, wasn't that race from Oklahoma City just awesome? We talked about it on last week's show. I believe we said that the uh, stay tuned for some flat track because uh, Oklahoma City was going to go down. And that was a turned out to be a bitchin' race. So... Uh, this weekend, like we said, Born Free is coming up, Born Free 8, and uh, the grass passes are sold out for Saturday. I believe Sunday, maybe there still might be some left, but yeah, if you don't have, you know, if you're not registered, you're screwed. So let's talk stuff that we didn't get to last week. Um, Dr. K and I talked a little bit about EBR last week and AMP talking AMC. And we we did give a little shout out to Motorcycles and Misfits. But what I wanted to talk about in this episode was something they brought up on episode 134. Liza was out of town in Las Vegas and the Misfits were talking about the Grom. Do you know, the, what, you know what the Honda Grom is, right, Dr. K? Well, you know what a Grom is, right, Dr. K? You got one in, um, behind your ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know what a grom is. I'm sorry. We'll call that a grommet. Yeah. So that's a grommet. But a grom is a little 125 bike that Honda puts out. And basically, it's like people use it as a hooligan bike. People use it as a uh, first bike, which is a terrible first bike because, you know, you should have at least 250 for your first bike. But anyway, it's just like this little street hooligan bike that you can ride around and it's small enough that like it's not intimidating and a grown man can look like a clown riding around on it. But it's still fun enough to like jump curbs and you're not really scared about dropping it because it's only a couple hundred pounds. So I went down to San Diego last week and went to a comedy show and basically when I rolled up to the stoplight, this gaggle of groms. I don't know. What would you call a group of Groms, do you think? Is Gaggle good? You have, you, have, you have Gaggle of Geese, but a Gaggle, like what could we call a group of Groms? Um, a Grom squad? I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so this trio of Groms rolls up between uh, the, you know, the car that all of us were carpooling in and people were asking me what it was since I'm like the resident motorcycle dickhead. And uh, so basically, at this point in the show, I showed Dr. K a picture of a Grom and some audio plays that I'm not allowed to rebroadcast over the air. So I show him a picture of the Grom and here's his response. <laughs> Is uh, that it? Yeah, that's a Grom right there. So imagine three dudes, <laughs> three dudes rolling up on Groms, you know? And uh, so they were like laughing and talking about groms saying that you know they have like a low slung exhaust remember that thing i said about thinking before i was speaking i wasn't doing that here they're 
talking about the K125, or I'm sorry, the Z125 Pro, not the Grom. You can't lean them over too far. You could, I mean, if they didn't have such a low exhaust on the right side, you could probably lean them over pretty far on the left. But they're pretty fun to hop around and jump over curbs and do wheelies and all that great shit. But the thing is, is that, you know, the Kawasaki um, uh, yep. Z125 um, Pro mm-hmm. also started, uh, came in, into the... Uh, Did that thing? Threw their hat in the ring, basically, mm-hmm. this year, and presented a Grom Challenger. And I think they're like $1,000 less, actually, uh, than the Honda Grom. Something like that. Something really, really crazy. But not free. And basically, what has happened is we have now the Kimco... Uh, K125, or no, it's called the K-pipe, I believe. And that thing has a high-slung exhaust, and it's a little bit more open. It looks a little bit more like a moped than it does um, a Grom, you know what I mean? Like your basic Grom. So that is another thing. If, you know, if you're familiar with the Madass or like the Pook or Poosh, I don't know how you pronounce it, but those are some pretty fast freaking little 125 hooligan bikes you know what i mean i've seen shit uh basically cruising through the streets of london and shit on those things and they're just hauling ass and so they look like a blast to ride however the uh the k125 like i said has the high pipe looks real great and now uh, the Grom has been redesigned for 2017. They were talking about how the pipe is low slung and like, you know, you can't lean very far over on it. But now with this new 2017 model, it gets a flatter headlight. It gets a different body. So it, it got, gets like some recesses cut into the side and stuff. And it gets um, basically like a high underseat exhaust, like a sort of like a Ducati. So right here, I played Dr. K, another video clip that has some audio that I cannot broadcast over the air. So here's his reaction. Those things are little, though. Yeah, they're little 125s. It's like a monkey screwing a football. Basically. (laughs) Why would you want to ride that? That's like a little kid bike. That's why people want to ride it, because it's fun. It's not intimidating. You can, like pick it up and take it into your apartment you can jump it over curbs and it's basically like a fun trail bike but not for the trail you know what i mean like did you see him just jump that curb with it how easy it jumped it yeah and all these little alleyways that went through it'd be kind of hard to do that on a big old sport bike you know that's why they're super popular is because you know they look fun and they are fun and you know, that's why people want to buy them because you can hoon around on them and you drop them. It's a, the whole, the, the Grom is only, I think 3000 bucks, but that's the crazy thing is that they can't, they sell them so fast that basically they're, they can charge a premium fee for them. They're not just, um, 5,000, 3000 bucks or like 5,000 bucks out the door because they tack on like a thousand dollar finder fee on it. Like that's what they did to my wife's car too, is that it wasn't just this price. They were the ones we were looking at were like 5,000 over sticker because they were in such high demand. They were charging, you know, an extra fee on top of it. And that's kind of what they do with the Grom because they're in mm-hmm. such high demand. So that's why it's cool that the Z uh, 125 Pro and the K-Pipe are all coming out, you know. 
UMRA is the United Mini Racing Association. And I met those guys at the Long Beach Motor Show. And they were pretty cool. And they were talking about, they try to get people to come out to race in their organization. I think 125 is the biggest, maybe the biggest motor you can have. So they race pocket bikes and mini bikes and little stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. But we'll get to see them race Groms on here too. But anyway, the thing I wanted to say is that they were was talking about the Grom and all the things they didn't like about it. And now the 2017 Grom is getting rid of that new low slung exhaust and they're changing the bodywork and they're changing the headlight and all that great stuff so and see that's the thing it's only like a two thousand dollar bike you're not racing like a eight thousand dollar sport bike around that's the fun thing it's a little light bike you're not going to get crushed by it if you high side you know you're not doing more than probably 40 miles an hour on it at that cart track yeah just throw it down pick it right back up and go again you're not going to be ripping off fairing. See, look at that little scratch you got. That's all he got from laying that thing down on a sport bike. Oh my God. That would have been thousands of dollars of damage, you know? And look <laughs> right there, right there. He's like, just unscrews the frame slider, screws it back on, ready to go. So yeah, that's like the big difference between racing those, a little mini bike and taking your bike out to like a track day or, you know, trying to race something that you're trying to drive daily basis. A, the, it's cost prohibitive where this is like super nice and B, like when you crash, the uh, the penalty for failure is a lot higher. But yeah, look at that. Knee down racing on these little groms. Shaking and baking as they say. And this United Mini Racing Association races out at Chuckwalla, which is... Uh, east of San Diego, actually, out in the desert, sort of, between San Diego and I kind of want to say Palm Springs. I think it's east of Borrego or something like that, or like out by that way. Yeah. My, my geography with uh, northern Mexico isn't that good, but that's basically where it is. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's technically California, but it's really northern Mexico. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, lesson learned. Let's not talk to Dr. K anymore. He is a snooze fest. Lots of crickets and uh, nothing really to say. So Dr. K and I did talk a little bit about Groms. And I said I was going to start thinking before I started speaking. Obviously, this is pre-recorded from a couple weeks ago and I wasn't doing it then, but I'm doing it now. And I wanted to do a little comparo since they redesigned the 2017 Grom. The old 2015 Grom had a... Undertail exhaust, kind of high. The newer one kind of mimics what the uh, Z125 Pro and the K-Pipe 125 are doing. And that is a lower exhaust that's slightly upturned. Now, the Z125 Pro has it uh, sort of like a Buell. If you ever saw an old Buell exhaust, they dumped right out in front of the rear wheel. But the the headlights flatter on the 2017 Grom. It got new bodywork that kind of reminds me of, I'm going to say like a Superhawk design. And also, all the curb weights are roughly the same. Now, the the Grom, their stats is 229 this time around, where everything else was 224, 225. Uh, But that says with a full tank of gas. And a lot of times, the guys will not put dry weight, but they won't fill the gas tank all the way up or whatever. You know, a couple pounds, I guess, really makes a big difference on a 125. But anyway, at any rate... 
If you want to hear more about the K125, go listen to the Cleveland Moto podcast. I just totally binge listened to them. Uh, for some reason, like 20 of them came into my feed the other day. And uh, Phil got a chance to ride one, and he had some interesting things to say. Sort of like the thing has like sort of a slipper semi-auto clutch in it, where if you put it in first gear it won't stall and it won't go until you give it gas you know so that's it's kind of a weird uh, phenomenon he was describing there which also makes the wheelies a little bit weird and and it makes you know stalling the thing virtually impossible the one thing to note the k125 does have is that it has electric and kickstart so on another one of their episodes they were just talking about driving for five miles and then coming home and driving for five miles and not you know, driving far enough to charge your battery up properly. And uh, right after listening to that episode, I promptly went and did that. So great. And, you know, I usually drive, ride my bike for a little bit, take a, you know, long ride or whatever. But the other day, right after listening to that episode, I was just cracking up in my helmet because I literally did what they said not to do. And if you do that on the K-pipe, at least you can kick it over, I guess. So enough talking about small 125cc bikes. Dr. K asked me something else about long touring bikes. And he's been texting me uh, every day since we recorded the show together, uh, asking me, you know, his opinions on, you know, different styles of bikes and what would be good and this and that and long touring bikes. Uh, It made me think of something that a coworker and I were talking about recently. And that's the Yamaha FGR 1300 and ES. Basically, they added these, you know, we talked about the IMUs that Yamaha introduced a couple years ago. Big talk of the town. Everybody's got IMUs now, but Yamaha has done something that BMW had only previously done in the past, where the BMW K1600 GT and GTL and all that stuff, the big 1600 touring bikes have these uh, optional headlights that are, they call them adaptive headlights that turn with you. So, you got to understand like like bearing and heading or whatever versus like where you're going. And your bike usually is pointed straight. And if you have a headlamp mounted in the fairing, when you go to turn, your headlamp is still, even when you counter steer, your headlamp's basically pointed straight still and you're turning either left or right. If your headlamp is mounted onto your fork somewhere, when you turn, then your headlamp is, you know, pointing to where you're going for the most part, I mean, counter steer obviously, you know, does it doesn't do it as much as you, as you could. So with these adaptive headlights, they literally sense where you're turning and turn the headlight into the direction that you're heading. So no matter where your bike is actually pointing, wherever you're turning is where the headlights are going to point. And the FJR1300ES added the cornering headlamps. Basically, now they're controlled by the IMU on the bike. So people are stepping up in the realm of lighting and, and, you know, bringing luxury options to the touring packages that they offer. And I wanted to also know that the FGR 1300 ES basically has adjustable everything. So, you know, they're in competition right now with BMW for that market and BMW, obviously having a very rich sport and adventure touring heritage, you know, everybody's kind of stepping up. Another thing I wanted to point out is that everybody is going to, uh, LED headlamps and tail lamps. And I noticed a lot, you know, I just finished working with the Honda CBR 500R. That thing, you know, has brand new LED headlamps. The, I believe the CBR 1000R has that as well. Cause I just finished doing that as well. So all of these things are getting new headlamps 
that are LED. The FJR 1300ES that I just mentioned also being one of those lots of bikes getting LED stuff. So my coworker was laughing and he said, wow, man, I thought that was really cool that they're getting rid of all the bulb assemblies and all this other old stuff that would make it a lot easier to just replace your headlamp instead of having to fiddle around and, you know, you unconnect, you disconnect one plug and plug the, you know, unscrew the headlamp assembly and plug it back in. You would have to do that to replace sometimes bulbs or covers or anything like that. And then he started cracking up and he sent me the prices and he said, then I realized this, you know, the old bulb assembly costs like $123. The new LED assembly, even though there's like less moving parts than anything else, costs like $375. So yeah, when you can obsolete a component and then triple its price at the same time, that's a win-win for a manufacturer, baby. But on the bright side, your bulbs aren't going to burn out as long and you're basically compensating the manufacturer for that luxury. And if you don't have those long burning out bulbs anyway, then you didn't used to have to worry about it. But if you have the regular bulbs that burned out, you know, did you see what I did there? Okay, next thing. Let's let's move on. I say we give Dr. K one last chance. Let's see what he can do. Pull it out of your head, Dr. K. Come on. Something that you do know something about, and that's assless chaps. I know that you have a real big beef with assless chaps. It's more of the wording of it than a beef with it. I mean, not like, I mean, they have bars out here where girls wear chaps and it's, it's easy on the eyes, as you would say. Just the, just the terminology of it is being assless chaps because chaps were made to be a covering for your pants and so they didn't have an ass to begin with. So it's kind of funny because people, I think it's just the way it sounds. Like maybe it's just because it sounds funny to say assless chaps. Like maybe it's just the word assless, but it makes no sense because they didn't haven't asked to begin with so it's almost like saying like <laughs> right by that same rationale you're saying that we could probably go market assless thong underwear yeah or like hey those aren't sandals those are assless shoes right. <laughs> like you just don't just with anything any kind of <laughs> article clothing, just say assless in it that's an assless shirt <laughs> <laughs> assless shirt that's a good one <laughs> My kids are wearing assless Crocs. It just sounds, it didn't have an ass to begin with. And for right. some reason, people always say assless chaps. It's like they're just called ch- chaps. Yeah, they're chaps. You know what would be rad too? Like my assless hat. Because you know how people call each other ass hat? My assless hat. <laughs> Maybe an assless chap is just like a pronoun for a man with no butt. Yeah. Maybe we quit calling chaps assless chaps and just call men with no butts assless chaps. I'm with, I'm down with you on that. <laughs> yeah. How much more awkward silence do you guys want to sit through? That was the worst. Dr. K is never coming back on the show. Well, hey, listen, everybody. Thank you for wasting a perfectly good hour with us. I hope we talked about something that you liked and did not misinform you too badly on this episode. Boy, episode 31. One for the record books, huh? So, we have a quite a large sorry list. Um, before we get into it, I would like to say by the time your ears are hearing this, I'll probably be gearing up and heading down to Born Free 
going to check that out, take some pics, enjoy myself. If you want to cruise down and uh, check it out, I'll probably be the guy there with sunglasses on. All right, see you there. All right, sorry list. We are starry to Stock is for Squares podcast and anybody named Stock versus Squares podcast that we might be offending as well by calling them Stock is for Squares podcast. You see how that works. Uh, Ian Hutchinson, very sorry. Bruce Ancy, we're sorry. Michael Dunlop, the whole Isla Man crew, we are very sorry. Burgers, tacos, and bread, very sorry. AFT Promotions, sorry. Born Free, Choppers, Harleys, any of that crap, we're sorry. Jared and Nicole Mees, we are sorry. We hope you have fun at the Lima Mile this weekend. AMA Pro Flat Track, we're sorry. Brian Smith, Bobby Fong. And let's just throw in Brad Baker. We're sorry, guys. Pikes Peaks International Hill Climb, we are sorry. Dirt Quake, we are sorry. The state of Washington, where Dirt Quake was held, we are sorry. California, we are sorry. The California Air Resources Board, we are sorry. France, we're sorry. New Delhi, India, we're sorry. Rome, Italy, we're sorry. Mexico City, Mexico, we're sorry. And California, United States of America, we are sorry. Volkswagen, we're sorry. AB51, we're sorry. Trikes, we are sorry, including Harley-Davidson trikes, the freewheeler, the FLHTCU-GHT-LMGRC triglide, we are sorry. Cops, we're sorry. Claude Guillon, we're sorry. Royal Enfield, we're sorry. Two Strokes, we're sorry. Triumph, we're sorry. Citroen, we're sorry. New York, we're sorry. California, we're sorry. Dr. K, the I'm sorry for the audience. No more, Dr. K. DMV, we're sorry. Honda Grom, we are sorry. Socks, we are sorry. Puch, we are sorry. Kimco, grommets and monkeys, we apologize. We are sorry. Footballs, we are sorry. UMRA, the United Mini Racing Association, give them a check out. We are sorry. If you're in the California, um, SoCal, or western arizona or anything like that check them out they're out there in the desert they'd be super fun to race some little tiny bikes around some pretty bitchin little cart tracks and not worry about falling down yamaha we're sorry bmw we're sorry and assless chaps or chaps with no ass we are sorry hey do me a favor why don't you send in some cool sign-offs i have a cool few lined up but you know once I think about them or I hear them, they're really not that cool anymore. So do me a favor. If you'd like to leave one on the Facebook page or email us at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com, feel free to do so. Get out this weekend and maybe try to pop a wheelie. Do it in the dirt. Do it in the street. I don't care. Just make it neat. Ooh, that's a good sign off. And uh, have fun. We'll see you next time. Blooper Reel. Uh, 80 degree 80 percent humidity and <coughs> doc versus squares podcast did yeah, man uh yeah i know i know people that you know you go to <laughs> can i clap at you mm-hmm. yeah ready here we go uh, motorcycles and misfits crew is going to be down there we might go down and intercept. Oklahoma is a mile, I believe. <laughs> I'm fucking delirious. So I talked about the LATT. Let me just say this. Damn it. <laughs>
Any 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 additional things, Doctor K? Doc versus Squares podcast did yeah jump the drainage ditch into Mexico. Doc versus Squares podcast <laughs> because you didn't have a whole bunch of info ready for me. I wasn't sure about your whereabouts either. That you, I said he probably made out with a raccoon behind a dumpster and got the rabies. <laughs>